0: Chapter Eight, Part One of The American Language. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The American Language by H. L. Menken. Chapter Eight Proper Names in America. Part One Surnames. A glance at any American city directory is sufficient to show that, despite the continued political and cultural preponderance of the original English strain, the American people have quite ceased to be authentically English in race or even authentically British. The blood in their arteries is inordinately various and inextricably mixed, but yet not mixed enough to run a clear stream. A touch of foreignness still lingers about millions of them, even in the country of their birth. They show their alien origin in their speech, in their domestic customs, in their habits of mind, and in their very names. Just as the Scotch and the Welsh have invaded England, elbowing out the actual English to make room for themselves, so the Irish, the Germans, the Italians, the Scandinavians, and the Jews of Eastern Europe and in some areas the French, the Slavs, and the hybrid Spaniards have elbowed out the descendants of the first colonists. It is not exaggerating, indeed, to say that wherever the old stock comes into direct and unrestrained conflict with one of these new stocks, it tends to succumb, or, at all events, to give up the battle. The Irish, in the big cities of the East, attained to a truly impressive political power long before the first native-born generation of them had grown up. Footnote The Great Irish Famine, which launched the chief emigration to America, extended from 1845 to 1847. The Know-Nothing movement, which was chiefly aimed at the Irish, extended from 1852 to 1860. End footnote. The Germans, following the limestone belt of the Allegheny foothills, preempted the best lands east of the mountains before the new republic was born. And so, in our own time, we have seen the Swedes and Norwegians shouldering the native from the wheat lands of the northwest, and the Italians driving the decadent New Englanders from their farms, and the Jews gobbling New York, and the Slavs getting a firm foothold in the mining regions, and the French Canadians penetrating New Hampshire and Vermont, and the Japanese and Portuguese menacing Hawaii, and the awakened Negroes gradually ousting the whites from the farms of the South. The birth rate among all these foreign stocks is enormously greater than among the older stock, and though the death rate is also high, the net increase remains relatively formidable. Even without the aid of immigration, it is probable that they would continue to rise in numbers faster than the original English and so-called Scotch-Irish. Turn to the letter Z in the New York telephone directory, and you will find a truly astonishing array of foreign names, some of them in process of Anglicization, but many of them still arrestingly outlandish. The only Anglo-Saxon surname beginning with Z is Zacchaeus, and even that was originally borrowed from the Greek. To this, the Norman invasion seems to have added only Zushi. But in Manhattan and the Bronx, even among the necessarily limited class of telephone subscribers, there are nearly 1,500 persons whose names begin with the letter, and among them one finds fully 150 different surnames. The German Zimmermann, with either one N or two, is naturally the most numerous single name, and following close upon it are its derivatives, Zimmer and Zimeon. With them are many more German names, Zahn, Zeckendorf, Zeffert, Zeitler, Zeller, Zellner, Zeltmacher, Zepp, Ziegfeld, Zabel, Zucker, Zuckermann. Ziegler, Zilman, Zinser, and so on. They are all represented heavily, but they indicate neither the earliest nor the most formidable accretion, for underlying them are many Dutch names, example, Ziman and Zomond, and over them are a large number of Slavic, Italian, and Jewish names. Among the first, I note Zabludowski, Zabriski, Zaksinski, Zapinkow, Zaretsky, Zeknovich, Zenzalski, and Zivachevsky. Among the second, Zaccardi, Zakarini, Zaccaro, Zapparano, Zanelli, Ziccarelli and Zuka. Among the third, Zukor, Zipkin, and Ziskind. There are two various Spanish names, Zelaya, Zingaro, etc., and Greek, Zappion, Zervakos, and Zuvelekis, and Armenian, Zalum, Zaron, and Zatmagian, and Hungarian, Zedek, Zagor, and Ziche, and Swedish, Zetterholm, and Zetterlund, and a number that defy placing, Zreich, Zvan, Zwipf, Zula, Zur, and Zev. Any other American telephone directory will show the same extraordinary multiplication of exotic patronymics. I choose at random that of Pittsburgh and confine myself to the saloon keepers and clergymen. Among the former, I find a great many German names Arts, Bartels, Blum, Gertner, Dietmer, Hahn, Feil. Schumann, Schlegel, von Hedemann, Weiss, and so on. And Slavic names Blaszkewicz, Bukowski, Pualowski, Krikolski, Tuladzike, and Stradkiewicz. And Greek and Italian names Markopoulos, Martinelli, Foglia, Gigliotti, and Carabinos, And names beyond my determination. Tibursky, Volongiatica, Herisco, and Hajduk. Very few Anglo-Saxon names are on the list. The continental foreigner seems to be driving out the native, and even the Irishman, from the saloon business. Among the clerics, naturally enough, there are more men of English surname, but even here I find such strange names as Ororoff, Ashinsky. Burajanis, Duik, Silo, Mazur, Privbliski, Pniak, Basilevich, Smelsch, and Vruneck. But Pittsburgh and New York, it may be argued, are scarcely American. Unrestricted immigration has swamped them. The newcomers crowd into the cities. Well, examine the roster of the National House of Representatives. Which surely represents the whole country. On it, I find Bacharach, Dupré, Esch, Estopinal, Focht, Heinz, Kahn, Kies, Kreider, La Guardia, Kraus, Lazaro, Lebach, Romju, Siegel, and Zielman. Not to mention the insular delegates. Calagnanole, vera Davila, and Janko and enough Irishmen to organize a parliament at Dublin. In the New York City directory, the fourth most common name is now Murphy, an Irish name, and the fifth most common is Meyer, which is German and chiefly Jewish. The Meyers are the Smiths of Austria and of most of Germany. They outnumber all other clans. After them come the Schulzes and Krauses, just as the Joneses and Williamses follow the Smiths in Great Britain. Schulz and Kraus do not seem to be very common names in New York, but Schmidt, Muller, Schneider, and Klein appear among the 50 commonest. Cohen and Levy rank 8th and ninth, and are both ahead of Jones, which is 2nd in England, and Williams, which is 3rd. Taylor, a highly typical British name, ranking fourth in England and Wales, is 23rd in New York. Ahead of it, beside Murphy, Meyer, Cohn, and Levy, are Schmidt, Ryan, O'Brien, Kelly, and Sullivan. Robinson, which is 12th in England, is 39th in New York. Even Schneider and Muller are ahead of it. In Chicago, Olson, Schmidt, Meyer, Hansen, and Larson are ahead of Taylor, and Hoffman and Becker are ahead of Ward. In Boston, Sullivan and Murphy are ahead of any English name save Smith. In Philadelphia, Myers is just below Robinson. Nor, as I have said, is this large proliferation of foreign surnames confined to the large cities, there are whole regions in the southwest in which lopez and gonzalez are far commoner names than smith brown or jones and whole regions in the middle west wherein olson is commoner than either taylor or williams and places both north and south where duval is at least as common as brown moreover the true proportions of this admixture of foreign blood are partly concealed by a wholesale anglicization of surnames, sometimes deliberate and sometimes the fruit of mere confusion. That Smith, Brown, and Miller remain in first, second, and third places among the surnames of New York is surely no sound evidence of Anglo-Saxon survival. The German and Scandinavian Schmidt has undoubtedly contributed many a Smith, and Braun many a Brown and Müller, many a Miller. In the same way, Johnson, which holds first place among Chicago surnames, and Anderson, which holds third, are plainly reinforced from Scandinavian sources, and the former may also owe something to the Russian Ivanov. Miller is a relatively rare name in England. It is not among the 50 most common, but it stands 30th in Boston, fourth in New York and Baltimore, and second in Philadelphia. Footnote. It was announced by the Bureau of War Risk Insurance on March 30, 1918, that there were then 15,000 millers in the United States Army. On the same day, there were 262 John J. O'Briens, of whom 50 had wives named Mary. End footnote. In the last-named city, the influence of Muller, probably borrowed from the Pennsylvania Dutch, is plainly indicated, and in Chicago, it is likely that there are also contributions from the Scandinavian Muller, the Polish Janzuski, and the Bohemian Mlinar. Myers, as we have seen, is a common surname in Philadelphia. So are Fox and Snyder. In some part, at least, they have been reinforced by the Pennsylvania Dutch Meyer, Fuchs, and Schneider. Sometimes Müller changes to Miller, sometimes to Muller, and sometimes it remains unchanged, but with the spelling made M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Müller and Müller do not appear among the commoner names in Philadelphia. All the Muellers seem to have become Millers, thus putting Miller in second place. But in Chicago, with Miller in fourth place, there is also Mueller in 31st place, and in New York, with Miller in third place, there is also Muller in 24th place. Such changes, chiefly based upon transliterations, are met with in all countries. The name of Taff, familiar in Austrian history, had an Irish prototype, probably Taft. General Demikoff, one of the Russian commanders at the Battle of Zorndorf in 1758, was a Swede, born Temikud. Franz Maria von Tugut, the Austrian diplomatist, was a member of an Italian Tyrolese family named Tunicotto. This became Tunikut. Do no good in Austria and was changed to tu gut, do good to bring it into greater accord with its possessor's deserts. In Bonaparte, the Italian buono became the French bon. Many English surnames are decayed forms of Norman French names, for example, Sydney from Saint Denis, Dever from Dever. Bridgewater from Bourg de Volter Montgomery from De Montgomery Garnet from Garino and Seymour from Sammore. A large number of so-called Irish names are the products of rough and ready transliterations of Gaelic patronymics for example Findley from Fionla Dermot from Diamud, and Maclean, from McGillian. In the same way, the name of Phoenix Park in Dublin came from Fionnisc, fine water. Of late, some of the more ardent Irish authors and politicians have sought to return to the originals. Thus, O'Sullivan has become O'Sullivan, Pierce has become Pierre. Mac Sweeney has become Mac Suvine, and Patrick has suffered a widespread transformation to Podre. But in America, with a language of peculiar vowel sounds and even consonant sounds struggling against a foreign invasion unmatched for strength and variety, such changes have been far more numerous than across the ocean, and the legal rule of idem sonans is of much wider utility than anywhere else in the world. If it were not for that rule, there would be endless difficulties for the Wises, whose grandfathers were Wises, and the Leonards, born Leonhards, Leonhats or Lennerts, and the Mannies, who descend and inherit from Le Man. A crude popular etymology, says a leading authority on surnames, Often begins to play upon a name that is no longer significant to the many. So the Thurgods have become Thoroughgoods, and the Toddenackers have become the Pennsylvania Dutch Toothakers, much as asparagus has become sparrow grass. So too the Witnachts of Boyle County, Kentucky, descendants of a Hollander, have become whitenecks and the Lens of Lower Pennsylvania, descendants of some far-off German, have become Lanes. Footnote. Harriet Lane Johnston was of this family. End footnote. Edgar Allan Poe was a member of a family long settled in western Maryland, the founder being one Poe, or Pfau, a native of the Palatinate. Major George Armistead, who defended Fort McHenry in 1814, when Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner, was the descendant of an Armstadt who came to Virginia from Hesse-Darmstadt. General George A. Custer, the Indian fighter, was the great-grandson of one Custer, a Hessian soldier paroled after Burgoyne's surrender. William Wirt, Anti Masonic candidate for the presidency in 1832 was the son of one Wurt. William Paca, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, was the great grandson of a Bohemian named Paca. General W. S. Rosenkranz was really a Rosenkranz. Even the surname of Abraham Lincoln, according to some authorities, was an anglicized form of. Linkhorn such changes, in fact, are almost innumerable. Every work upon American genealogy is full of examples. The first foreign names to undergo the process were Dutch and French. Among the former, Riger was debased to Riker, Vanderveer to Vandiver, Van Heys to Van Eis, Van Siegel to Van Sickle. Van Arsdale to Vannersdale, and Harelen or Haerlem to Harlan. Among the latter, Petit became Petit, Caillet changed to Kyle, De La Haye to Dillahay. De La to Deschong, Guizot to Gosset, Guérillon to Caron. Soul to Sewell, Gervais to Jarvis, Bale to Bailey, Fontaine to Fountain, Denis to Denny, Pebaudier to Peabody, Bompin to Bumpus, and De L'Hotel to Doolittle frenchmen and french canadians who came to new england says chail de verre had to pay for such hospitality as they there received by the sacrifice of their names the brave Boncourt, captain mariat tells us in his diary became mr bunker and gave his name to bunker's hill but it was the german immigration that provoked the first really wholesale slaughter A number of characteristic German sounds, for example that of "u" and the guttural in "ch" and "g", are almost impossible to the Anglo-Saxon pharynx, and so they had to go. Thus, "bloch" was changed to "block" or "black", "ochs" to "oaks", "hoch" to "hoke", "fischbach" to "fishback", "Albrecht" to Albert, or Albright, and Steinweg to Steinway, and the Grunfurt, Bach, was almost universally changed to Bau, as in Brumbau. The U met the same fate. Grun was changed to Green, Führ, to Fear, or Führ, Warner, to Warner, Durink to Deering, and schnabele to Snavely, Snavely, or Snivelly. In many other cases, there were changes in spelling to preserve vowel sounds differently represented in German and English. Thus, Blum was changed to Bloom. Footnote. Henry Harrison, in his Dictionary of the Surnames of the United Kingdom, London, 1912, shows that such names as Bloom, Klein, etc., always represent transliterations of German names. They are unknown to genuinely British nomenclature. End footnote. Royce to Royce. Kirster to Kester. Kierle to Keeley, Schrader to Schrader, Stehli to Staley, Wehmann to Weyman, Friedman to Friedman, Baumann to Bowman, and Lang, as the best compromise possible, to Long. The change of aim to Ames belongs to the same category. The addition of the final S represents a typical effort to substitute the nearest related Anglo-Saxon name. Other examples of that effort are to be found in Michael's for Michaelis, Bowers for Bower, Johnson for Johansson, Ford for Fourth, Heinz for Heinz, Kemp for Kempf, Forman for Foreman, Kunz or Kunz for Kunz, Hoover for Huber, Levering for Liebering, Jones for Jonas, Swop for Schwab, Height or Hyde for Hyde, Andrews for André, Young for Jung, and Pence for Pence. The American antipathy to accented letters mentioned in the chapter on spelling is particularly noticeable among surnames an immigrant named forst inevitably becomes plain first in the united states and if not the man then surely his son low in the same way is transformed into low footnote i lately encountered the following sign in front of an automobile repair shop for puncture or blow bring it to low. end footnote. Lure-man into lerman, Schern into Schon souple into subtly or supple, luders into luders and brul into brill even when no accent betrays it the foreign diphthong is under hard pressure. Thus, the German ur disappears, and lerb is changed to lobe or laib, erler to oler, "lürser" to lesser, and "schern" to "schon" or shane. In the same way, the au in such names as Rosenau changes to aw, aw. So, too, the French OI sound is disposed of, and Dubois is pronounced Dubois, and Boileau acquires a first syllable rhyming with toil. So, with the KN in the German names of the Knap class, they are all pronounced, probably by analogy with night, as if they began with N. So, with S C H, Schneider becomes Snyder, Schlegel becomes Slagle, and Schluter becomes Sluter. If a foreigner clings to the original spelling of his name, he must usually expect to hear it mispronounced. Roth, in American, quickly becomes Roth. Fremont, losing both accent and the French e becomes Fremont. Bloom begins to rhyme with dumb. Mann rhymes with van. And lang with hang. Kranz, Lanz, and their cognates with chance. Kurz with shirts. The first syllable of Gutmann with but. The first of Kalle, with bay, the first of Werner, with turn, the first of Wagner, with nag. Uller, in America, is always Euler. Berg loses its German E sound for an English U sound, and its German hard G for an English G. It becomes identical with the Berg of iceberg. The same change in the vowel occurs in Erdmann in Konig. The German diphthong succumbs to a long o and the hard g becomes k. The common pronunciation is konig, often in Berger, the g becomes soft and the name rhymes with verger. It becomes soft too in Bittinger. In Wilstach and Welsbach, the CH becomes a K. In Anhuser, the EU changes to a long I. The final E, important in German, is nearly always silenced. Dome rhymes with foam. Kühne becomes keen. In addition to these transliterations, there are constant translations of foreign proper names. Many a Pennsylvania carpenter, says Dr. Oliphant, bearing a surname that is English, from the French, from the Latin, and there a Celtic loanword in origin, is neither English, nor French, nor Latin, nor Celt, but an original German Zimmermann. A great many other such translations are under everyday observation. Pfund becomes pound. Becker, baker. Schumacher, shoemaker. Kernig king. Weisberg, Whitehill. Koch, cook. Footnote. Koch, a common German name, has very hard sledding in America its correct pronunciation is almost impossible to Americans. At best, it becomes coke. Hence, it is often changed, not only to cook, but to cocks, coke, or even cocky. End footnote. Newman, Newman. Schaefer, shepherd or Shepard, Gutman, Goodman. Goldschmidt, Goldsmith. Edelstein, Noblestone. Steiner, Stoner. Meister, Masters. Schwartz, Black. Weiss, White. Weber, Weaver. Butcher, Booker. Vogelgesang, Birdsong. Sunday, and so on. Partial translations are also encountered. Example, Studebaker from Studebecker, and Reindaller from Reintaller. By the same process, among the newer immigrants, the Polish Witkiewicz becomes Wilson, the Bohemian Bohumil becomes Godfrey, and the Bohemian Kovar and the Russian. Kuznetsov, become Smith. Some curious examples are occasionally encountered. Thus, Henry Woodhouse, a gentleman prominent in aeronautical affairs, came to the United States from Italy as Mario Terenzio Enrico Casalegno. His new surname is simply a translation of his old one. And the Belmonts, The bankers, unable to find a euphonious English equivalent for their German-Jewish patronymic of Schoenberg, chose a French one that Americans could pronounce. In part, as I say, these changes in surname are enforced by the sheer inability of Americans to pronounce certain continental consonants, and their disinclination to remember the continental vowel sounds. Many an immigrant finding his name constantly mispronounced changes its vowels or drops some of its consonants many another shortens it or translates it or changes it entirely for the same reason just as a well-known Greco french poet changed his greek name of papa diamantopoulos to moreas because papa diamantopoulos was too much for frenchmen and as an eminent Polish-English novelist, changed his Polish name of Korzenjewski to Conrad because few Englishmen could pronounce Auski correctly. So the Italian or Greek or Slav immigrant coming up for naturalization very often sheds his family name with his old allegiance and emerges as Taylor, Jackson, or Wilson. I once encountered a firm of Polish Jews showing the name of Robinson and Jones on its signboard, whose partners were born Rubinowitz and Jonas. I lately heard of a German named Knoche, a name doubly difficult to Americans, what with the K-N and the C-H, who changed it boldly to Knox to avoid being called Nocky. A Greek named Zoiopoulos Kolokotronis Mavrokerdatos or Constantinopolos would find it practically impossible to carry on amicable business with Americans. His name would arouse their mirth, if not their downright ire, and the same burden would lie upon a Hungarian named Benitskini or Gyalui or Silagi or Vesercilagok or a Finn named Kyrkusen or. Yaskalinen or Tulinsu or Otnen, all honorable Finnish patronomics, or a Swede named Hogrian or She or Leon Hufud or a Bohemian named Serb, or Rupka, or for that matter, a German named Kaningiser, or Schnappauf, or Faninbecker. But more important than this purely linguistic hostility, there is a deeper social enmity and it urges the immigrant to change his name with even greater force. For a hundred years past, all the heaviest and most degrading labor of the United States has been done by successive armies of foreigners, and so a concept of inferiority has come to be attached to mere foreignness. In addition, These newcomers, pressing upward steadily in the manner already described, have offered the native a formidable, and, considering their lower standards of living, what has appeared to him to be an unfair competition on his own plane, and as a result, a hatred born of disastrous rivalry has been added to his disdain. Our unmatchable vocabulary of derisive names for foreigners reveals the national attitude The French, Bosch, the German, Hunyade, for Hungarian. Footnote. This is army slang, but promises to survive. The Germans, during the war, had no opprobrious nicknames for their foes. The French were always the Franzosen, the English were the Englander, and so on, even when most violently abused. Even their Yankee was rare. End footnote and the old English froggy for Frenchmen seem lone and feeble beside our great repertoire Dago, Wop, Guinea, Kike, Goose, Mick, Harp, Bohick, Bohunk, Squarehead, Greaser, Canuck, spigotty, Footnote Spigoty, originating at Panama now means a native of any Latin American region under American protection, and, in general, any Latin American. It is Navy slang, but has come into extensive civilian use. It is a derisive daughter of, no, Spic Inglés. End footnote. Chink, Polack, Dutchy, Scowegian, Hunky, and Yellowbelly, This disdain tends to pursue an immigrant with extraordinary rancor when he bears a name that is unmistakably foreign, and hence difficult to the native, and open to his crude burlesque. Moreover, the general feeling penetrates the man himself, particularly if he be ignorant, and he comes to believe that his name is not only a handicap, but also intrinsically discreditable, that it wars subtly upon his worth and integrity. Footnote. Reaction to Personal Names by Dr. C.P. Oberndorf Psychoanalytic Review, Volume 5, Number 1, January 1918. This, so far as I know, is the only article in English which deals with the psychological effects of surnames upon their bearers. Abraham... Silberer and other German psychoanalysts have made contributions to the subject. Dr. Oberndorf alludes, incidentally, to the positive social prestige which goes with an English heir, and to a smaller extent with a French heir in America. He tells of an Italian who changed his patronymic of Pucci into Depucci to make it more aristocratic, and of a German bearing the genuinely aristocratic name of von landschaftshausen who changed it to a typically english name because the latter seemed more distinguished to his neighbors End footnote. this feeling perhaps accounted for a good many changes of surnames among germans upon the entrance of the united states into the war but in the majority of cases of course the changes so copiously reported example from Bielefelder to Bansen, and from Pulvermacher to Pullman, were merely efforts at protective coloration. The immigrant, in a time of extraordinary suspicion and difficulty, tried to get rid of at least one handicap. Footnote. The effects of race antagonism upon language are still to be investigated. The etymology of slave indicates that the inquiry might yield interesting results. The word French in English is largely used to suggest sexual perversion. In German, anything Russian is barbarous, and English education hints at flagellation. The French, for many years, called a certain contraband appliance a capote anglaise, but after the entente cordiale, they changed the name to Capote Allemande. The common English name to this day is French Letter. End footnote. This motive constantly appears among the Jews, who face an anti-Semitism that is imperfectly concealed and may be expected to grow stronger hereafter. Once they have lost the faith of their fathers a phenomenon almost inevitable in the first native-born generation, they shrink from all the disadvantages that go with Jewishness and seek to conceal their origin or, at all events, to avoid making it unnecessarily noticeable. To this end, they modify the spelling of the more familiar Jewish surnames, turning Levi into Lui, Lut, Levit, Levin, Levine, Levy, Levi, footnote: The English Jews usually change Levy to Lewis, a substitute almost unknown in America. They also change Abraham to Bremen and Moses to Moss. End footnote. And even Lever, Cohen into Cone, Con, Con. con can coin and con arons into errands and Arons, and solomon into salmon salomon and solmson in the same way they shortened their long names changing wolfsheimer to wolf goldschmidt to gold and rosenblatt rosenthal rosenbaum rosennau rosenberg Rosenbusch, Rosenbloom, Rosenstein, Rosenheim, and Rosenfeld to Rose. Like the Germans, they also seek refuge in translations more or less literal. Thus, on the east side of New York, Blumenthal is often changed to Bloomingdale, Schneider to Taylor, Reichmann to Richmond, and Schlachtfeld to Warfield. Fiddler, a common Jewish name, becomes Harper. So does Pickler, which is Yiddish for drummer. Stolar, which is a Yiddish word borrowed from the Russian signifying carpenter, is often changed to carpenter. Lichtman and Liechtenstein become Chandler. Mailach, which is Hebrew for king, becomes king, and so does The strong tendency to seek English-sounding equivalents for names of noticeably foreign origin changes Cher into Sherman, Michel into Mitchell, Rogowski into Rogers, Kolinsky into Collins, Rabinovich into Robbins, Davidovich into Davis, Moiseyev into Macy or Mason, and Jacobson, Jakobovich, and Jakubovsky into Jackson. This last change proceeds by way of a transient change to Jake or Jack as a nickname. Jacob is always abbreviated to one or the other on the east side. Yankelovich also becomes Jackson, for Yankel is Yiddish for Jacob. Footnote. For these observations of name changes among the Jews, I am indebted to Abraham Kahn. Among the immigrants of other stocks, some extraordinarily radical changes in name are to be observed. Greek names of five and even eight syllables shrink to Smith. Hungarian names that seem to be all consonants are reborn in such euphonious forms as Martin and Lacey. I have encountered a Gregory who was born Grigorević in Serbia, a Hewler who was born Ulyarik, a Graves who descends from the fine old Dutch family of Skravenhag. I once knew a man named Lawton, whose grandfather had been a Lawton burgher. First he shed the Burger and then he changed the spelling of Lauten to make it fit the inevitable American mispronunciation. There is, again, a family of dicks in the South whose ancestor was a Schwettendieck, apparently a Dutch or low German name. There is yet again a celebrated American artist of the Bohemian patronymic of Hrubka, who has abandoned it for a surname which is common to all the Teutonic languages, and is hence easy for Americans. The Italians, probably because of the relations established by the Catholic Church, often take Irish names, as they marry Irish girls. It is common to hear of an Italian pugilist or politician named Kelly or O'Brien. The process of change is often informal, but even legally it is quite facile. The Naturalization Act of June 29, 1906 authorizes the court, as a part of the naturalization of any alien, to make an order changing his name. This is frequently done when he receives his last papers, sometimes if the newspapers are to be believed, without his solicitation, and even against his protest. If the matter is overlooked at the time, he may change his name later on like any other citizen. By simple application to a court of record. Among names of Anglo Saxon origin, and names naturalized long before the earliest colonization, one notes certain American peculiarities setting off the nomenclature of the United States from that of the mother country. The relative infrequency of hyphenated names in America is familiar. When they appear at all, it is almost always in response to direct English influences. Again, a number of English family names have undergone modification in the New World. Venable may serve as a specimen. The form in England is almost invariably Venables, but in America the final S has been lost, and every example of the name that I have been able to find in the leading American reference books is without it. And where spellings have remained unchanged... Pronunciations have been frequently modified. This is particularly noticeable in the South. Callowhill down there is commonly pronounced Carroll. Crenshaw is Granger, Hawthorne, Horton, Hayward, Howard, Norsworthy, Nazary, Ironmonger, Munger, Farinholt. Fernal, Camp, Kemp, Buchanan, Bohannon, Drury, Droit, Enruti, Darby, and Taliaferro, Tolliver. The English crown and shields pronounce every syllable of their name. The American crown and shields commonly make it crunchal. Van Schaeck, an old New York name, is pronounced von Skoyk. A good many American Jews, aiming at a somewhat laborious refinement, change the pronunciation of the terminal stein in their names so that it rhymes not with line, but with bean. Thus, in fashionable Jewish circles, there are no longer any Epsteins, Goldsteins, and Hammersteins, but only Epsteins, Goldsteins, and Hammersteins. The American Jews differ further from the English in pronouncing levy to make the first syllable rhyme with T. The English Jews always make the name levy. To match such American prodigies as Darby for Enruti, the English themselves have Hools for Howells, Sillinger for saint Leger, Sinjin for St. John, Poole for Powell, Weems for Wemyss, Cardugan for Cadogan, Marlborough for Marlborough, Key for Canes, Marchbanks for Marjoribanks, Banks, Beecham for Beauchamp, Chumley for Chalmondley, Trossley for Trotterscliff and Derby for Derby, not to mention Maudlin for Magdalene. End of Chapter 8, Part 1. Recording by Linda Johnson.